welcome to HealthCast, the heartbeat of health IT. I'm your host, Melissa Harris, and welcome back to our National Cancer Act 50th Anniversary Commemoration Miniseries. This is the eighth and final official episode of the miniseries we've had over the course of this year. It's been quite a year learning so much about NCI's work. But before we get started, I'm excited to announce a bonus episode that will release on the National Cancer Act's official anniversary date, December 23rd. Joining us for that will be the National Cancer Institute Principal Deputy Director, Dr. Doug Lowy. So stay tuned to hear a reflection of the past, present, and future of cancer care and research. With that being said, let's dive into today's episode. Throughout this mini-series, we've learned a lot about the history, research, technologies, care, and more around cancer. But to wrap things up, we'll focus today on the tools to learn more about cancer care beyond this podcast. So today, we'll talk about two really important parts of NCI. One of these is the Surveillance, Epidemiology, and End Results Program, or SEER, which captures and provides data to researchers and the public about national cancer trends and outcomes. The other is NCI's Cancer Information Service, or CIS, which is an overall one-stop shop for patients, their loved ones, researchers, and the general public to seek help and information on just about everything involving cancer. This includes information about cancer research and clinical trials, best practices about prevention, risk factors, symptoms, detection, treatment, and more. In short, we're spotlighting SEER and CIS to give you the tools to learn about cancer data and to engage with NCI to get any information or aid you may need. Since SEER has come up a number of times throughout the miniseries, let's start there. The history of SEER starts with the National Cancer Act. Just a couple years after the act passed, NCI stood up a series of cancer registries to capture data about cancer all over the country. I'll let you hear more about SEER's general work from Dr. Lynn Pemberthy, NCI's Division of Cancer Control and Population Sciences Surveillance Research Program Associate Director. It was begun in 1973, and the program consists of a group of central cancer registries whose role is to capture data on all patients with cancer that live in the covered geographic areas of those cancer registries. So typically, these are state-based, but um, several of our SEER registries are regional, such as the Seattle SEER registry. The program serves two uh, really important purposes. Um, So the first purpose is the more traditional one, which is to provide population-based estimates on incidence, mortality, and survival for cancer in the US, and to monitor the progress of how we're improving cancer outcomes over time. The second major purpose is to support cancer research through the use of the SEER combined and de-identified data. The second part, support of cancer, has impacted a lot of cancer studies. In fact, there are over 17,000 publications that have used SEER data for their primary analysis over the program's history, and that number has really risen more in recent years. Overall, there are more than 86,000 publications that reference SEER data too, 
and Sear sees about 4,500 downloads of its data per year. On top of the data it provides, Sear also supports research grants too. So in 2020, there was more than $55.3 million in research uh, funding that was approved, and uh, 61 grants for over $37 million of that had SEER as the primary focus of the grant, and 13 grants, or $4.6 million, use SEER as reference data within the grant process. We also do SEER intramural grant support, and there are 10 of those in 2020 uh, for a total of $12.9 million. So as you can see, SEER has a, a very broad base and user base across the many years that we've been in existence. You might be wondering how we got from the National Cancer Act to this giant network of cancer registries and ways of surveilling cancer trends and data across the country. In short, it was by no means easy. Although NCI works with the CDC and other partners to co-fund cancer registries and collect health surveillance data in a standard format, state and local medical and public health systems all have different data standards. Additionally, these very systems have been historically siloed in their ability to share data. People receive cancer care at different providers over time, so it's a really big challenge just at the data level. It was even harder in the early years of SEER when most data on cancer was collected manually. Traditionally, all the data that we collected um, historically are done manually, and that's primarily from hospitals because, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, most cancer patients received the vast majority of their care at, in the hospital setting. And in fact, uh, hospitals, as well as other healthcare providers, are actually required by law, state regulation, to report to a state central cancer registry. And so we've relied on that requirement for reporting, um, for hospital-based reporting in the past. However, and, and in turn, once the uh, central registries receive those data, at the Central State Cancer Registry, they then consolidate information from different sources into a single record, and then they report those data on an annual basis in a de-identified format to the National Cancer Institute, and that's the source of our data. However, um, you know, as you alluded to, with the changing provision of cancer care, um, you know, it's often in the outpatient setting and frequently across multiple specialties. It's very difficult to capture all of the data that's necessary to understand the cancer patient and the tra trajectory of their disease course um, over the entire span of their disease using only that hospital-based information. Since one of the main obstacles in collecting and centralizing cancer data is doing it when different medical systems are disconnected from each other, SEER has overcome a lot of these barriers by building partnerships and linkages to improve data capture. In recent years, we've begun working with external partners to perform linkages to capture data more efficiently and more often comprehensively. These external partners are typically either organizations representing healthcare providers, such as pharmacists. Um, pharmacists are in fact healthcare providers under the state regulation for almost every state. And we've done linkages recently with CVS and Walgreens, among others, or are often pathology laboratories such as Genomic Health Incorporated um, that does the Oncotype DX testing for breast and prostate cancer. And this is really important because, uh, for example, with the Oncotype DX for uh, breast cancer, the 21 gene assay, the hospital registries had been reporting that those data since 20. 
12, I believe. Um, and when we worked directly with the company to do a linkage with our registries, what we found is that we were missing more than 40% of the test results. And the reason for that is because oftentimes um, the past specimens are sent out to the uh, GHI to do the Oncotype DX test, but the results are sent directly back to the ordering physician, who is very often a community-based oncologist. And so the hospital doesn't have access to that information. And so we really found that these uh, linkages with external partners not only provide us accurate data, but also potentially more comprehensive and complete data. Sierra is building upon these linkages, looking in the future to work with other large pharmacy chains and commercial insurers like United Healthcare. Dr. Pemberthy also noted that genomic information is critical for understanding cancer outcomes. So Sierra is working with organizations to collect biomarkers that can further enhance Sierra's data. These collective efforts have helped Sierra understand cancer trends across more populations and areas around the country. So we initially started out covering about 9% of the U.S. population, and most recently we've expanded our data to cover nearly 50% of the U.S. population in May of 2021. And so um, I wanted to explain why that's important, because it's not just that we're trying to build an empire, but in fact, uh, it's been very important for us for two reasons. First, to increase the representation of important population subgroups, which has been an important tool to help us understand disparities in outcomes among cancer patients, and also to enable sufficient sample size that would allow us to present the data in more clinically relevant categories. While Sierra has established these linkages over time, certain partnerships and technologies have been and will be key to improving Sierra's data collection and quality. We talked about linkages, but automation of data collection holds huge potential for Sierra to provide more up-to-date data. For example, NCI launched a collaboration with the Department of Energy to develop application programming interfaces, or APIs, to extract data and data elements automatically from pathology reports. This reduces manual processing time that cancer registry staff currently perform, making data extraction much more efficient. The thing that's super exciting about this is this API is 18,000 times faster than a human. Okay, now the human's pretty fast. They can review a path report and extract these data elements in about 55 seconds. But the API, the machine can do it 18,000 times faster. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing. And what, what is also really exciting about this is that these path reports are received at the registry in near real time. Okay, so when the pathology report is created in the path lab and the pathologist sends it to the hospital EMR, the registry gets a copy of it. And so what this means is that we're now working on using this API to auto extract data in close to real time so that we can work towards having a, a, a more real time incidence reporting. Right now, we're about two years behind because of the manual process, et cetera, et cetera. I know we've dug into a lot of the nuts and bolts of Sears data collection, but it's important to see how it happens and how it's improving so you can get an understanding of the data that fuels so much of cancer research. This brings us to how you can learn and use information from Sears to contribute to the progress against cancer. 
or just to learn some fascinating cancer statistics. One of the tools is called Seer Explorer, which I'll let Dr. Pemberthy go into. This allows the user to perform canned queries that have multiple options for customization and downloading of graphics. So for example, you can look at cancer site by age, group, by, by gender, by race, race group, and I think even by geography uh, in Seer Explorer. If, it, if it's not there, it's coming very soon. And so that's something that's really a, a user-friendly kind of tool. And, and even I can do it, who's not a statistician. So, so it's pretty, the, the, the bar is pretty low for that. But it, it, it develops beautiful graphics that can be downloaded. And in fact, I can't tell you how many times at meetings such as ASCO and other meetings, you know, I, I go into a presentation and, and lo and behold, there's a there's a graphic from the SEER program that they use as their starting point for their presentation. So, so it's just almost ubiquitous. I'm the first to say that I'm not an expert in statistics or a researcher in cancer. I tried looking around on SEER Explorer myself, and I can tell you that even I can navigate this tool. I was able to pull up graphs showing risk for breast cancer, narrowing it down by sex, race, and ethnicity. You could do the same with a whole list of other cancers. So the accessibility and customizing you can do is astounding. Go check it out if you can. We'll link to it in the show notes. But there are other tools other than Seer Explorer too. One of them is Seer Stat, which is more for hardcore statisticians researching cancer. It's a statistical software that allows users to view individual cancer records and produce statistics for studying the impact of cancer on a population. Unlike Seer Explorer, however, you need special access to use SeerStat. Another example of a tool Seer provides is called JoinPoint. It's another piece of statistical software, and this one lets you analyze cancer trends using JoinPoint models which are models where several different lines connect together at join points. So it takes trend data like cancer rates and fits the simplest join point model that the data can allow. What does this do? In short, it allows researchers to statistically assess changes in trends over time, which is really important for SEER especially since they monitor trends in cancer incidence, mortality, and survival. There are a lot of other tools that SEER and its NCI partners are working on, and we'll look forward to seeing it in the future. One of them, which SEER is currently piloting, is the virtual SEER-linked biorepository. Many of the registries work with investigators to acquire FFPE specimens from community pathology labs to do research. And they link those with their cancer cases and cancer information. And so What's really important about that is that that provides sort of that clinical context for these patients, and it provides outcomes. So, so if someone gets a specimen, a biospecimen from the registry um, through their connections with the path labs, they will have information on you know, survival, they'll have information on diagnosis, stage of diagnosis, histology, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's really important because um, many other studies um, that use biospecimens don't really have that clinical context. And so further, the other thing I think is really important about the idea of a, a virtual biorepository using the SEER registries is that these are population-based samples. So for example, if you wanted to look at differences between you know, African-Americans and 
I don't know, Hispanics or something, you could actually select the cases based on that. Whereas for many of the trials and many of the studies that are done at cancer centers, you know, people, it's a voluntary thing. And so you have a lot of bias in terms of who participates. And so this has a broader population representativeness than might be otherwise uh, found in other studies. And that's really important, particularly for genomics, um, because there really are differences in um, presentation of these biomarkers across different populations. Right now, we're, we're, we have a pilot that's been ongoing for a, a few years in six of our SEER registries, and that pilot study has focused on uh, uh, adenocarcinoma of the pancreas. And basically, we, we identified cases that had long-term survivor, five, five or more years of survival for uh, adenoCA versus those who died, you know, within the more traditional, like less than two years. And so I think that example is important because it also points out that um, there's an opportunity using the SEER data to, uh, and, and the SEER link biorepository mechanism to be able to select rare outcomes or rare tumors that would not really be feasible, even with several uh, large cancer institutions uh, linked together. NCI is also developing a virtual pools registry through some pilots right now. VPR is a web-based system that allows researchers who have cohort studies or clinical trials to link with cancer registries across the country. As we discussed in the childhood cancer episode of the miniseries, one of the newer additions to NCI's cancer registries is the National Childhood Cancer Registry which is connecting data infrastructure to enabling childhood cancer data sharing from all sorts of data sources. With all these projects, registries, and tools that have risen and are still rising, SEER is looking to further automation capabilities and build more linkages to improve its work with data overall. Also, SEER is hoping to improve data capture around cancer recurrence. It's something that I think is just incredibly important to our patients, um, as, as well as to understanding cancer. Um, because, you know, the good news is people survive, right? And so looking at mortality is and survival is important. But, you know, if people live 40 years, but they get three recurrences, there's like a lot of stuff that happens between, you know, that initial diagnosis and death. So we need to understand that better. I know we just dove really deep into SEER and some of the ways that you can engage with the tools and information it provides to understand all sorts of aspects about cancer. So now let's dive into the second component, NCI's Cancer Information Service, or CIS. CIS also launched just after the National Cancer Act passed. Since 1975, CIS has essentially served as a hub to answer questions and provide information services around NCI in just about anything pertaining to cancer. I have CIS Branch Chief Candace Maynard to tell us more. We share information about all aspects of cancer, including cancer research and clinical trials, cancer prevention, risk factors, symptoms, early detection, diagnosis, treatment, and survivorship information. Our services also provide tobacco cessation counseling and information. So the CIS helps NCI share key messages and the latest information coming from NCI's divisions, offices, and centers. 
And since we are NCI's direct connection with the public, we also respond on behalf of the Institute to a variety of different types of questions, whether they be non-patient related questions such as NCI programs and research projects. The National Cancer Act called upon NCI to start a program that would interpret and share information about cancer for health professionals, scientists, and the public. So, NCI created CIS as a result. At first, CIS had multiple contact centers based within cancer centers across the country. Over time, those various contact centers consolidated, eventually becoming a single contact center in 2010. CIS's central center is currently based out of the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center in Seattle. Candice explained that the centralization has helped CIS provide more accurate, consistent, and quality information. As communication technologies and accessibility needs have evolved too, CIS has developed omnichannel ways of engaging with people seeking inquiries. Our service has really had to adapt and change to best meet how the public wants to get information from the NCI. So we need to be where the public is and where the public is asking questions of the Institute. So changes um, like the internet, um, more informed patients, social media platforms, increased customer expectations, additional demands for language access, and um, of course, the desire for instant responses have really changed and influences how we have delivered our services. So while we continue to offer service over the phone, and in fact, our phone number 1-800-FOR-CANCER is our most recognized channel. We have expanded our services over the years to handle other uh, points of access, such as email, online chat, which it, which we call Life Help. We also respond to questions through uh, NCI social media accounts. And so as how we deliver our information has changed, the kind of information and the services we deliver has also changed. So Speaking of services that have changed, CIS began with a cancer information line, but over time, it also started tobacco cessation information and counseling. More recently, CIS also began a special clinic trial service where special trained information specialists can provide a tailored clinical trial search. CIS has received all sorts of inquiries over the years, everything from the clinical to economic, This reflects the expansive needs of researchers, providers, patients, and others who encounter situations with cancer. The majority of our questions are centered around information about types of cancer, treatment, and and really side effect management. But we also get a significant number of questions around finding care at hospitals, clinics, and looking for screening programs. We do get questions around support and economic assistance, as well as physician and second opinions are also very common topics for the CIS. So to help you kind of understand what those questions could look like. Um, They might be things like, is my doctor suggesting the right treatment? Are there other treatments my doctor may not know about? I'm looking for alternatives to treatment my doctor is recommending. Is there a clinical trial I can join? I don't have insurance. Um, Where can I find financial assistance to pay for my treatments? So that kind of gives you a glimpse into the types of questions that people are asking about. And when you look at our inquiries overall, um, the majority of our inquiries are around breast, 
lung, prostate, and colorectal cancer. So those are our most common types of cancer inquiries. And when you look at our smoking cessation inquiries, the majority of the questions that we receive are around craving management and nicotine replacement therapy. To answer all these different questions, CIS works closely with just about every area of NCI, including SEER. CIS needs to gather all sorts of information, so staying up to date with NCI's research, best practices, and activities allows them to better engage with people who contact them. It's very important for us to know as much as we can about all of the activities that are going around NCI and NCI's programs. So we support NCI and its programs like SEER in many different ways, including supporting their research missions. So we do that by helping educate the public about clinical trials and scientific discoveries. And we have also been involved in or helped facilitate large clinical trial study accruals. So that includes recent trials such as TMIST, which is a large breast cancer screening trial, and MATCH, which is a large precision medicine cancer clinical treatment trial. As the gateway for the public to reach NCI, it is important that the services that we provide be accurate, high quality, and culturally sensitive. So it's our job to make sure that we have the information needed to deliver that information to the public that the NCI programs are communicating to us. We touched upon some of the multi-channel communication lines and strategies that CIS has built over time, and Candice elaborated on how they're looking to continue growing. For one, she highlighted that CIS is trying to better serve more vulnerable populations. And like how we've discussed precision and personalized medicine throughout the miniseries, CIS is looking to create a personalized experience based on unique information needs. On top of that, CIS is also helping NCI work with different programs to ensure that the information they're releasing meets the needs of the public and individuals who engage with NCI. So we do that by testing new concept materials, drafts and revisions. We work with our usability and plain language staff for both English and Spanish content. And since we have a broad view of NCI content as it's our number one information source, we're really able to provide feedback when information is difficult to find, when it's missing, or when there is feedback from the public about changes that have been made to specific content. So that really continuous public feedback um, that we share with our colleagues across the Institute, like the SEER program, helps to enhance customer experiences overall with NCI products and platforms. Technologically, CIS is spreading its communication channels by also embracing texting and mobile engagement as a way of increasing accessibility with younger audiences. They're also looking to provide more online interactions, as well as further supporting additional services to continue meeting growing information needs. There's also other types of service provision where you could have a online chat and see someone face-to-face, kind of like a, a Zoom interaction. I, I think Alexa is uh, one of the, um, the providers that is, is doing something like that on the, the Amazon tablet. So we're looking at those types of opportunities to make sure that we can best engage with our audiences where they are. 
there's always, of course, the uh, retooling and expansion of additional services. Um, we know that people need assistance with cancer information throughout their cancer journey. And sometimes that information, it, if it can be a proactive in which someone can call back and just check in and say, how are you doing? Have your information needs changed? Have you had a conversation with your doctor? What else can I help you with in, in terms of, of making sure that you're, you're getting the, the information that you need? So we really do take a, a hard look at the services that we're providing and, and making sure that they are um, the best quality and that they meet the individual where they are. And as we continue to look towards the future of what the CIS is, we'll continue to, to make some of those changes in, in terms of how we deliver the services we provide. The number of opportunities to engage with NCI will certainly keep growing in the future. Over the course of these conversations, we've learned about the various tools that SEER provides, such as SEER Explorer and STAT, and avenues of contact that CIS offers, such as 1-800-4-CANCER. These resources we've discussed today will give you, our listeners, the power to continue learning and engaging with NCI in meaningful ways. As we come to the end of the final official episode of the mini-series, I wanted to remind you to stay tuned for our bonus finale episode, which will release on December 23rd. It'll be a great conversation with NCI Principal Deputy Director, Dr. Doug Lowy. So we look forward to seeing you then. In the meantime, thank you as always for tuning in. HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris and Adam Patterson. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.